When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Yes, 10 minutes and 10 seconds that Jeff Bezos wasn't the richest man on the planet. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. Command engine start. 2, 1. They have liftoff. And New Shepard has cleared the tower on our way to space with our first human crew. Go, awesome. Jeff, go, Mark, go, Molly, go, Oliver. You are going to space. Yeah, baby. and his three crewmates are now headed to space. Yeah, baby. Not outer space, though. Just space. But as they rocketed into space at uh, you know two minutes and 29 seconds into the flight, they were over 2,000 miles an hour. It'd be so cool to be on that flight. No question. One of them... Uh, we found out, we had talked a lot about it this morning uh, during uh, Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, I'm filling in for Pat uh, this week on the Blaze Radio and Television Network. And we talked about the one ticket holder who bid $28 million. And I didn't realize, and I, and I hadn't seen it anywhere until a few minutes ago, actually, before we started recording this show, that the 18-year-old, the youngest person to go to space, uh, Oliver Damon, it was his dad who had a scheduling conflict. So I think, you know, originally I thought maybe it was someone who (laughs) didn't like Jeff Bezos or Bezos didn't like him, but he just wanted his son to go. So pretty incredible of uh, Oliver's dad to let him go. 28 million bucks for 10 minutes and 10 seconds. It was obviously, you know, more than that with the buildup and everything following. But for the ride itself, 28 million bucks. Woo. That's a tough one to take. Now, you, you are going to be able to go into space on Blue Origin. Tickets are up and running for sale. Um, they didn't say how much the tickets were yet. So, okay. You have to, uh, you email Blue Origin. Um, you're, you're instructed to email astronauts at blueorigin.com. So go ahead, send an email and see the reply 
No problem. That'll be $250,000. I'm guessing that's got to be at least that. For that rocket, I mean, it was pretty cool to watch. If you didn't watch it, it's an opportunity to go watch it. You watch the rocket booster come back to Earth and land, and you watch the capsule come back to Earth and land after being in space. So really cool that uh, we now have space tourism up and running and you just have to hope that there's uh, you know not a cloud in the sky on the day that you're chosen to go to space. We did find out too, Wally Funk, the oldest person to go to space, she laid down 200,000 to fly on Virgin Galactic and then that got canceled. So she still has her deposit to fly on Virgin Galactic and she said that she was going to uh, still go on that flight whenever it takes off. But Jeff said, ah, come on, you can come on, you can come here on uh, Blue Origin and no problem. I got, I got you covered. That's my understanding. I don't think Wally played a, paid uh, any kind of money to fly on uh, Blue Origin. So it also, uh, just so you know, uh, today was a special day as well because, you know, they entitled it uh, The New Shepherd after, uh, you know, the first man to walk on the moon. And it was also the anniversary today of the Apollo 11 moon landing, the 52nd anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. So kind of cool. And everybody, you know, is patting him on the back and he's got word from Branson and you know, Bezos believes his was the only one that went into actual space. Branson's didn't go in. We've been all through that. So we had the flight today and space tourism is now officially up and running. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. All right, before we get into the meat of Chewing the Fat today, let's get into real meat with Moink Box. I know. Moink Box. With Moink, you're going to get the highest quality meat you've ever tasted while supporting real family farms. Restaurant quality steaks can't be bought at a store. That's why you need MoinkBox.com. You should go to MoinkBox.com slash Jeffy right now. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door. And on top of that, it's helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. I mean, it's a win-win situation. Go to moinkbox.com slash Jeffy, and you're going to get a year of bacon for free. And then pick out what meat you want delivered with your first box, and you can change it each month and you can cancel at any time. I'm telling you the salmon that I just got <laughs> in my Moink box. I am looking forward to having, you have no idea. Oh, well, I'm telling you. So you now have an idea that I am really looking forward to the salmon that I got in my latest Moink box. Go to moinkbox.com slash Jeffy right now. You're going to get free bacon for a year moinkbox.com slash jeffy did you know that 97 percent of the chickens served in the u.s have been dipped in chlorine i didn't know that either moink 
box animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all that other junk that you find in the prepackaged meat in that nasty meat aisle. Moinkbox.com. Go to moinkbox.com slash Jeffy. Join the moink movement today. Okay? Uh, go to moinkbox.com slash Jeffy right now. You're going to get that free bacon for a year. One year of the best bacon you're going to ever taste. But it is for a limited time. So, M-O-I-N-K, box.com slash Jeffy. Moinkbox.com slash Jeffy. Okay, so I can't stop thinking about going into space today. You've got the Virgin Galactic, and you've got Blue Origin. And I was thinking about, remember the stupid movie Airplane? Way back in you know in the 80s. Early 80s, too, I think. Um, and there was a scene in it that I've, I've replayed in my head a bunch of times. And the guy is, uh, Lunar Shadow Tickets. I got smoking. I got non-smoking. Thank you, my man. And he's selling, <laughs> he's selling, uh, you know, bootleg, uh, lunar shuttle tickets. And, uh, cause then I, I found the scene. So this, this is what could be happening at Virgin Galactic or Blue Origin very soon. Tickets for the lunar shuttle. Oh, I'm afraid there haven't been any available seats on that shuttle for weeks now, sir. Wow, the Pan Am sign behind. Hey, I got singles. Check them out, y'all. $400 lunar shuttle tickets. Check them out. Lunar shuttle. Smoking. What you want? What have you got? Lunar shuttle tickets. $400. I got smoking, non smoking, first class, coach, economy, by the aisle, by the window. <laughs> take it easy, my man. Ah, uh, take it easy. Lunar shuttle tickets. Lunar shuttle tickets. <laughs> 40 bucks too that's a heck of a price <laughs> people are you know bidding 28 million bucks back in 1982 they're paying 40 bucks for lunar shuttle tickets <laughs> i got smoking i got non smoking i got by the window by the aisle <laughs> thank you my man that's what could be happening soon plus i was thinking how about when is the first time that we're going to have someone have uh, a conjugal visit in space. So if you have a conjugal visit, I'm being nice now. I know. When you're taking care of a little space business, um, what is it called? Because if it's in an airplane, right, that's the Mile High Club. But if you're in space... What do you call it? I mean, space business? I mean, I want to start selling uh, space business. Uh, yes. And now I was wondering if they, if we, if we've had space business before. Now there was a story about a book written back in 2000 that talked about, yes, there was actual, a study done between NASA and the Russians about space business. And they talked about all these different positions and how it couldn't be done without gravity and some positions couldn't be. And now, and they're saying both NASA and the Russians have denied that this study ever took place and that there was no, now this guy, this writer, this Kohler claimed that there was proof that he had proof and not just a fake, 
you know, he had he had actual document for the proof. I don't know that those have ever been shown. Uh, so they think that the whole thing was just a hoax or it was based on a fake document that, you know, he had, but it wasn't real. But so as of now, without, I don't know, without any documentation, space business has not happened. Although I find that hard to believe. We've been up in space for quite some time now. We had Mir up there. We've got the ISS. Uh, very, very, uh, very strange if we haven't had space business going on. Plus, what do you call it? Plus, who's going to be the first one? Are you filming? Is it Blue Origin? <laughs> Blue Origin space business? Virgin. Virgin. Oh, yes. Virgin galactic business. Oh, yes. I love it. I want that now. Easy. I'm just saying about, uh, you know, I want to see the reports on it. Virgin Galactic Business. <laughs> Plus, I don't know what you call it. i got to think about that for a little bit. Space Business. Uh, you can email me, chewingthefatattheblaze.com, and let me know what you think we should call it. I couldn't find, just with a quick, you know, quick search, if it's... If there's any kind of, you know, modern name for it. But for now, it's just hashtag space business. And uh, I think <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to go with for right now. Hashtag space business. And one last thought on space flight and space tourism. Are we going to have it regulated like the airlines now? So I noticed today and on uh, the Branson flight with Virgin Galactic... Nobody was wearing masks. Now, I'm sure that they were all vaccinated. I believe that they all were. I don't know that. But who's going to regulate it? Are they going to make people wear masks? Are they going to start telling people like American Airlines, oh, you can't get on the plane because you're not wearing enough clothes. Uh, no, you can't wear that. We don't want you looking like that. You're going to have to wear a mask. Or do you get the suit? Do you have to buy the suit when you do the space flight? I don't know. I'm just asking. I saw where Bezos today, you know, he had his cowboy hat on most of the time until he boarded the rocket or the capsule. And I thought he gave his hat to his do boy, which he did on the, on the walkway there on the bridge. But when he landed, his hat was inside the capsule. Because he put it on when he had it on when he came out of the capsule after he landed. So he just gave it to somebody <laughs> to bring on board with him. He didn't. He just wanted to, you know, be photographed going into the capsule without his hat on. Really strange. I just want to know who regulates it. I'm guessing since the, it's getting the go-ahead from the FAA, they're going to try to take control of it. I don't know. Is uh, you know the space agency is that? A separate agency is the Space Force oversee that. Um, I, I'm just asking. I'm just wondering. So we've got we've got space business got to happen. We've got who's going to regulate uh, the tourists for space flights. Uh, there's some things to go over. So call me. I'm here for you if you need to talk about it. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> So did you see where Robbie Steinhardt passed away? Very sad. Uh, the Kansas founding member, the violinist Robbie Steinhardt, you know, carry on my wayward son. Yeah. Uh, he died 71 complications from acute 
pancreatitis. I actually met Robbie a couple of times and he was a really, really nice man. And it was very sad news that he passed away. So uh, rest in peace, Robbie Steinhardt. You know, I was looking at a story about ghost cattle. And I wondered, what is ghost cattle? So this guy, it all stemmed from a story that the headline was, uh, an investment company with ties to the Mormon church has bid for land that belonged to the now bankrupt Easter Day Farms and Easter Day Ranches. So the second highest bidder was Bill Gates. And this farm is, you know, this Easter Day Farms and Easter Day Ranches. The bid was $209 million. So that goes to show you what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of extensive ranch and, and cattle they have. So anyway, um, Tyson Foods filed a lawsuit against him and he pled guilty in this ghost cattle scheme. He was uh, billing Tyson Foods for costs of buying and feeding as many as 200,000 cattle that didn't exist. And I thought, okay, <laughs> okay, do I like this guy or is he a criminal? Well, of course, I mean, he's a criminal. Stop it. But uh, he, they got, he got sued. He pled guilty. He played a deal. Now he's uh, apparently he was dealing in the commodities market and lost, you know, a couple hundred million dollars. So to make up for it, he was ghost cattling. <laughs> billing Tyson for these ghost cattles and they were, you know, footing the bill for his commodity market losses. So now they've got, uh, all kinds of, uh, things going on between the securities and exchange commission, misappropriation of company funds. And they were, you know, looking at all of this. It just, he screwed up a whole bunch of stuff, but apparently uh, he, you know, his deal with the government is he gets sentenced in August of this year. And he also, there can't be any more charges against him than what they already have. This is a big old farm though. I mean, they've got, uh, they bought it for $66.7 million dollars which, I mean, they bought it, you know, quite a while ago. Uh, the company formed in 2019. So they purchased it, you know, two or three years ago for $66 million, And it just sold for a couple hundred million. Uh, that's a pretty good, pretty good deal. Although, you know, he only owes, I don't know, $209 million to, uh, to Tyson. So he was not going to get much. But according to this, they operate and farm with 28,300 cattle. According to one story, they the farming operations include more than 18,000 acres of potatoes, onions, corn, and wheat. The grain products are used to feed the cattle in the Easter Day Ranch's feedlots. And they have the capacity of about 70,000 head, which we, you know, heard that they have about, you know, just under 30,000 head. So it was conceivable that Tyson would believe this fraud scheme 
which is why it worked for quite a while. Now, he pled guilty, and it went before the judge, and they said that they weren't going to charge him anymore. We already covered all that. I just found it uh, fascinating that, uh, you know, this guy was a scam and Tyson from his ghost cattle scheme to cover his other debts in the commodity markets in the futures. <laughs> and finally, somebody said, uh, hey, you know, it doesn't look like he's got uh, that many head of cattle and something isn't right. He's losing all this money and you know, this over here. And now we got to take a look at this. So he's defrauded a couple of different places. So there's everybody's going to have to be looking at their books because of this case. But he gets sentenced in August. I don't know how many years you get for that. I'm guessing it'll be a few. <laughs> As long as we're on criminals, we might as well uh, talk about a couple of people that were, you know, that are kind of criminals. Uh, Jelaine Maxwell, you know, uh, the uh, helper of Jeffrey Epstein, she says that uh, because of how they took care of Bill Cosby, yeah, uh, she needs to be released from prison as well. So she has got some similar technicality now as well. So we'll see if that is allowed to happen. I'm not sure that it will, but we'll be hearing more about that very soon. And John McAfee, who was found dead in the Barcelona jail cell uh, in the end of June last month, almost a month ago now. Uh, his wife said that uh, I do not accept the suicide story that has been spread by the malignant cancer that is the MSM. They are, uh, they, they and their unnamed sources are not to be trusted. Oh, wow. She said that uh, John should have never spent a day in prison, let alone nearly nine months. She said she spoke with John twice on the morning that he died. And in their last conversation, that she spoke to him about the court's decision to extradite him to the U.S. We had a plan of action in place to begin the appeal process, and we discussed plans for the next stages of his legal fight. So he, she said that he told her to stay strong and not worry. Now, could this all be part of the plan and that he did kill himself and she is in on the deal? Sure. Absolutely. Most definitely. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. I want to believe that the man wouldn't kill himself. He always said he wouldn't. He said that if he did, someone else killed him. Uh, I, I don't know. It's sad, the whole thing. And I'm sorry that she lost her husband. But is it? It, w it would also be fitting that he did kill himself. She knew that he was going to kill himself. And she is, you know, carrying on the John would never kill himself. And he told me to stay strong. And we had a plan in place to fight the extradition when, in fact, they didn't. So, you know, we'll see if. I don't know where we're at with that. I mean, really, it's over. It's sad. And I think we're done with that now, right? And I don't know that the U.S. government can uh, milk any money out of the McAfee Foundation. But if they can, they certainly will try. You can count on that. 
and they will probably succeed. Okay, there was a TikTok post that is on Twitter. I've been following this uh, Twitter account of uh, uh, libs of TikTok, at libs of TikTok. And it's a little frightening, actually. (laughs) But it's a fun follow. And this particular post was, she wants to call your mom and dad pom-pom. And it's about uh, using, uh, you know, changing the typical mom and dad parent titles. So uh, we played this this morning on Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, Today is uh, the 20th of July, 2021, if you're listening live to this broadcast of Chewing the Fat. And I wanted to play it again and break down each thing that she mentions in her rambling of calling mom and dad different names. And I'll let her tell you what it is and then we can break it down. Instead of using the typical mom and dad parent titles, there's actually gender neutral and non-binary parent titles that exist. Oh, it can good. be hard for parents within the LGBTQIA community to find a word that they feel comfortable being addressed as yeah. by their children. Oh. So here are some examples. Okay. Dama. Mada. Maddie. Madi, Mappa, Nini, Nopa, Nori, Opa, oh, I like Opa. Pere, Pompom, Zaza, and oh Zizi. You can find more examples on the website listed above. All right, cool. Samesexparents.com. We're going to have to check that out. Okay, this is a same-sex parents online platform providing support, relevant information, and safe space for same-sex parents from all over the world to connect with one another while bringing visibility to the LGBTQIA plus families and give them a voice. Although I added the QIA here on this website, they just say LGBT plus families. So I thought it was, uh, we were being all inclusive and I thought it was LGBTQIA plus, but I guess not. Now it said here, I got to go here for... Uh, more information, but I'm here and I see home about resources, your stories, projects, <sighs> the blog economy Maybe it's under the blogs. Hey, yep. It's under their blogs and it's the, uh, special gender neutral, non-binary parent titles. Oh, that's so special. I know. So they've put together a list of 26 gender-neutral titles that non-binary parents could go by. And if you'd like to suggest any others, they'd be happy, more than happy to add it to the list. (laughs) How about dad? How about mom? No, we can't have that anymore. That's old-school dumb thinking. You are not thinking about the LGBTQIA plus people. So Baba, uh means dad in some languages and grandmother in others, Baba. Uh, Dama, (laughs) okay, Uh, that's dada and mama intertwined. Uh, Mada, mama and dada intertwined. Uh, Maddie or Madi, mom and daddy intertwined. Uh, Makua, Hawaiian for parent, 
Mapa, Mama and Papa intertwined. Matua, Eastern Polynesian for parent. Uh, Madi, Mommy and Daddy intertwined. Uh, Mopa uh, slash M-O-P-A or M-O-P-P-A, Mommy and Papa intertwined. Uh, Nary, uh, N-A-R-I or N-A-R-Y, taken from non-binary. Okay. Uh, Nibby, taken from non-binary. So they've just taken the word and they've come up with a couple of words out, you know, with the letters from non-binary. Okay, so you got Nary and Nary, Nibby, Ninny, Noby, and Nody. They've just taken the letters out of non-binary and put them into a name. Okay. Wow, this has got a lot of them. Hold on, non-binary. So let's go back. We've got uh, Nary, N-A-R-I or N-A-R-Y, Nibby, Nina, Noby, Nody, Nomi, Noni, Nopa, Nori, Okay, those are all the letters mixed and matched from non-binary to what you could call your parents. <sighs> Obi uh, can also mean heart when translated. It's Yoruba, uh, African for parent. Uh, Opa, abbreviation for other parent. That's what I, I want, Opa. I want Opa. I, I want other, that's what I just call me, Opa. I'm good to go. Call me Opa, it's all good. Uh, Pama. Papa and Mama intertwined. Uh, pare or Pare, Pari, Perry, P-A-R-E. Uh, means parent, Catalan for parent, P-A-R-E. Okay, Pom-Pom. Oh, I like Pom-Pom. Papa and Mom intertwined. This is a little kid who can't say Papa and Mommy. Pom-Pom, Pom-Pom. Zary, Z-A-R-I or Z-A-R-Y. Uh, pronouns for non-binary intertwined. Zzer. Zaza is a mashup of mama, dada, papa, and the gender-neutral pronouns zzer. And zizi, taken from the gender-neutral pronouns z and zer. So they've taken zzer and just mismatched the letters to create some words. I like kind of. I like zizi. <laughs> I like zaza. I like zizi better than zaza and opa. Okay, so zizi. Taken from the gender neutral pronouns Z, Zer, and Opa, abbreviation for other parent. I like that. I want to be Opa. That's just me. That's just me, though. I just want to be Opa. Okay. So if you have any other ideas for the LGBTQIA plus parents that are struggling to for their non-binary parent name, uh, you can help them out with this particular list of 26 gender neutral titles or you can come up with your own because apparently you just have to pick a word and then put the letters mix and mash the letters together and come up with something that you like and it works so i'm okay with that you know whatever you want to be called opa you want to be called ziza okay it was a ziza no i think it was zz right that's what it was the end of what i like zz yeah z-e-z-e i want Yes, I want ZZ. Now, it's from the gender-neutral pronoun Zzer, but it doesn't say whether... So ZZ could be dad or mom because it's just a name, ZZ. It doesn't mean anything. And Opa apparently actually means other parent. So only one of you could be Opa, right? But any of you could be ZZ. So, yeah, 
There, take that. All right, I've been looking forward to this next segment. It is with Brad Thor, author of his latest book. Well, he's author of a whole bunch of books, but his latest book is Black Ice, and it is out today. So I'm looking forward to talking to Brad Thor. Today is the day. Brad Thor and his latest book, Black Ice, which I have in my grubby little hands as we speak, uh, hits the bookshelves. It's out there. Everyone can grab it. You don't even have to pre-order it now, although you could go to bradthor.com or go to amazon.com and get the copy sent direct to your home. But you could just go to the bookstore or any other place that carries your favorite books and Black Ice would be on the shelves. Brad Thor, thanks for joining us on the Fat today. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Jeff. It's great to see you. Good to be seen. Good to be heard. So the latest book, Black Eyes, I, uh, I I did finish it. Uh, there was I found a copy laying around at the studios, and I thought, oh, I got to read the whole thing then. I don't have to wait. All right, I'm I'm happy. And uh, it was another fun ride for Scott Harvath. Uh, this is what number twenty for Scott. Twenty in that Scott Harvath series. Yep, wow. twenty-one overall for me, but twenty in the Harvath series. Yeah, yeah. And so you uh, mentioned uh, the other day when we talked, which the other day was yesterday, as a matter of fact, on the morning show, that uh, you have four more coming. I know we'll talk about Black Eyes. I know we're here to promote the new book, but we have four more coming, right? Is that right? Right, exactly. Just signed a new contract. Because at the end of this one, I thought, well, he's probably got, you know, at least one, right? I mean, you got to have at least one after this one. Because he finished up, uh, his, finished up his business and the country's <laughs> business. Yep. And uh, I'm assuming that he's on his way back to Norway, but I'm not writing the next book. And uh, so we have four more. So he's definitely, uh, unless he's doing work under retirement, he's definitely not retired. No, no, not according to Simon and Schuster, uh, nor my agent. He's definitely <laughs> coming back. Four more books, at so, least. So this book, uh, really fascinating. Now, I know you, yeah, yeah, you sold over 15 million books and you're Mr. Bestseller. And, you know, we're, we've got you, uh, we've got you penned as a faction world-class author now. But uh, this book was uh, really eye-opening on a couple of different places for me between Russia and China. And when you get in it and you read, well, one of the things that really kind of I went, is that true? When you were talking about our icebreakers in the North, um, is that information that's in the book actually true? Yeah. So technically we have two icebreakers, but one caught fire. So now we only have one that's in service and it's meant to service our research station in the Southern Hemisphere in Antarctica. So we have one. The Chinese have two. Russia has 30 or 40, 30. They're building three more right now, and they have a plan for 12 more over the next 10 years. So uh, it's interesting because the Biden administration wanted to flex its muscles against Russia and do what's called a freedom of navigation operation, sail through the northern sea route over the top of Russia. And the Navy said, you can't do it. We've got one icebreaker, and if it breaks down, you know, it's going to go from us flexing our muscles to us begging the Russians to tow the thing in to port. 
That would go over well. It wouldn't go over well. So one of the things uh, I'm buddies, I've known him since college. We were actually neighbors. Uh, Robert O'Brien, the former national security advisor in the Trump administration, is a really good friend of mine. Uh, and he saw this with Mike Pompeo as such a serious issue that they not only helped move uh, money through Congress to start building more icebreakers for the United States, but they also leased a couple, threw some orange Coast Guard paint on there, some 50 cal machine guns, and a couple of skiffs where they could deal with uh, sensitive information uh, so that they could get these out and up into the Arctic because it really is the new Cold War up there. The Russians have opened more than 50 shuttered Soviet Cold War era bases. There's a lot of stuff. And the fact that China popped up and declared itself, quote unquote, a near Arctic state. I love that so much. I mean, that's a great, I mean, it's actually a, you know, a devastating move for us, but it's a, it's a good move on their part. Uh, and it's the Seinfeld of diplomatic terms. It yeah, means absolutely sure. nothing because <laughs> the nearest Chinese settlement, Hamlet, Berg, or village is 800 miles away right. from near. the Arctic Circle. But it, it is the, uh, the Chinese are, are funneling soldiers up there disguised as scientists. And it's been this area that was always kind of open for scientific research and all of this sort of thing. Right. Uh, and now the Chinese are forcing us to, uh, to gun up a lot more up there. Uh, it's becoming an issue. So to set a thriller against that seemed like a, a fun idea. Yeah, no kidding. And due to, uh, you know, some of the, uh, you know, ice melting, and I don't know that it's actually, you know, we'll we'll call it climate change, but we'll just say due to weather, uh, uh-huh. you know, we have, we have ice that's actually melting. So it's sure. opening up, uh, you know, miles, if not thousands of miles of coast that wasn't available. And so when we made the rules saying that, yeah, anybody could be up there, no problem, don't worry about it, it's fine. Um, We hadn't counted on actually opening up and getting resources from up there. Right. And so that's what the Chinese are trying to do now by keeping an icebreaker up there. They want to make themselves indispensable. So they want to help any ships that get stuck. Uh, and they've also so the Chinese, I, I, I make it. It's not really a joke. It's actually true in black ice that the Chinese have as many forms of diplomacy as the Eskimo have words for snow. So <laughs> China has this thing called the Belt and Road Initiative, where they're trying to stretch their tentacles around the world and connect all these countries with China by uh, investing in infrastructure and different sorts of things. They're heavily invested in a uh, a liquefied natural gas plant in the Yamal Peninsula in Russia, a pipeline that runs uh, LNG from Russia to China. The Chinese actually love this pipeline. And the word at the Politburo is it's the best pipeline in the world because it's the only way to ship gas that can't be uh, interdicted by the U.S. Navy or the U.S. Treasury Department. Wow. Yeah, that's a very tongue-in-cheek that's, joke with the polar bear. Yeah, no kidding. It's a little scary, actually. But it, it is scary. So there's a lot going on up there, and China's trying to buy influence. So they tried to buy a Canadian uh, mining operation in the Arctic, and the Canadians said, not just no, but hell no. And then they used a cutout, a Chinese businessman, a real estate developer, to try to buy all this property in northern Norway. And the Norwegian government said, not just no, but hell no. No, And they swept in and bought it because what the Chinese want to do is get not even a footprint, but just a toehold. Because once they can establish themselves in the Arctic, they're going to start flexing their muscle and challenging us to push them out. And so what do you see as uh, and, you know, not 
uh, just as a, you know, I know this isn't, uh, you know, black ice, but uh, when we have now canceled uh, some pipeline and some infrastructure deals with Canada who said hell no yeah. not long ago, um, that does open up some uh, diplomatic tables for China to come in and say, uh, the U.S. Uh, said no. We're saying yes. Yeah. So that is that is a possibility. I, China went into Greenland and over improved their diplomatic facilities. They're putting a lot of construction workers wow. to work. And uh, there, there's wow. all these clever ways that they either invest or refuse to invest. The other thing that I talk about in the book is when China, uh, when the Norwegian uh, Nobel uh, Committee uh, not not so Norway does stuff and Sweden does stuff, but particularly Norway uh, nominated and then uh, awarded the Nobel uh, Peace Prize to a jailed Chinese dissident over a decade ago. And China freaked out. The, right. They were not happy about it at all. Chinese Communist Party was pissed. And so they decided that they would do something called coercive diplomacy, where they told Chinese citizens, you cannot go to Norway, so no tourism, and we're going to stop wow. importing Norwegian salmon. And God bless the Norwegians. They're tough. They're like, fuck us, fuck you. They didn't, they, they didn't I have a lot of respect for the Norwegians, but it hurt them. It, it really, it, they're a very wealthy country because of the North Sea and the the, the gas and everything, they, the oil and gas they pull out of there. But it, it, the, the Chinese are very, very aggressive. And I think it's, it's only recently that the U.S. is really waking up to the strategic threat that China poses. Well, I hope we wake up a little bit more and it seems like we may not if you take a look at the administration that we have in office. But that is another issue for another day. Uh, I noticed that, I mean, this uh, story is all throughout Norway, and it just makes me want to go there and drink coffee with Scott <laughs> in Norway. Have you spent time there as well? I mean, I, 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 I'm gonna, you're going to say yes, and I'm going to hate you for this. So go ahead. Have you spent yeah, time yes. there? Yes, yes, I have. And I, I was it. actually going to go up. Uh, above the Arctic Circle in Norway and then up to their archipelago uh, that's halfway between Norway yeah. and the Pole, and then COVID happened. And because they've got such tight control of the archipelago, they shut it down immediately, trying to basically quarantine it so that no COVID could, could manifest right. there. So I pivoted and do what I do when there's parts of the world that I can't get into. Uh, you know, I've been to Afghanistan, I've been to Egypt, other spots, but right. when there's a place like I don't know, Libya, that I'm definitely not interested in setting foot in. I want to talk to other people who have been there. Right. Uh, the successful outcome of their mission was dependent upon paying attention to all the details. So I luckily was able to network into a real expert on this part Excellent. of the Arctic uh, who had pictures and all this information about what the Russians were doing up there. Awesome. It turned out to be really, really good material for the book. So uh, Scott Harvath, your character, uh, one of his favorite little sayings, at least uh, in this book, and was the uh, have a smile for everyone and, uh, and next have a plan to kill them. Yep. Uh, that seems to be a, uh, a motto that uh, your character lives by uh, throughout all the series, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. It's funny. That actually comes from a wild firearms instructor at the DEA training facility at Quantico. Uh, and I went out to the That's FBI awesome. training. Yeah, it really, really neat guy. And uh, he said, you know, he he gave me that term. And I'm like, can I use that in the book? He's like, absolutely. And it was just, you know, have a smile for everyone you meet and a plan to kill them. That that's is, you know, you can all it's uh, it's always good to have a plan B. So uh, that's where I got that from. Neat, neat guy. 
So when you uh, spent time there, did you spend time in a lot of, the, I mean, all the places that your character spends time in and uh, enjoys, uh, you know, the, the life of a Norwegian uh, when you were there or were you more, yeah. uh, more of just the tourist guy? No, I did. Harvey did a lot of the stuff that I do, the cafes and the restaurants yeah. and stuff. And the, so that one of my favorite spots uh, is the Thief Hotel in Oslo, which is really cool because it's on this little island called Thief Island, which is basically where the pirates and the prostitutes used to hang out like hundreds of years ago. So the thief. Uh, yeah, there definitely isn't any thieves or prostitutes <laughs> hanging out now. <laughs> It's it's all been gentrified and it's uh well I guess it's it's there's a lot of bankers that own homes yes, there so you. maybe if you want to classify the, the the poor bankers as thieves, uh but it is a beautiful beautiful area and the hotel was built by this really cool billionaire and the hotel acts as kind of an additional wing for the modern art museum. So they have these great pieces there. And the deck on top is what I love, this rooftop restaurant and bar and the views out over the fjord. I've set a couple of scenes, uh, not only this book, but the last book I set up on the roof of yeah. the Thief Hotel. And it's it's pretty, it's it's absolutely stunning. It's one of my favorite places in all of Oslo. So the book is Black Ice. It's the latest edition, the book that you can see behind Brad now. And uh, it's a, definitely a fun read. And it's a, it's actually a quick read. I was really, there you go. Yeah, follow the finger. And uh, no, not that one. And uh, the it's definitely a fun ride. Uh, I had a, I'm a lot of fun. And it's, it's, uh, it's an, an easy, quick read, which, you know, uh, I'm sure is no mistake. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. The, uh, the next uh, Scott Harwath is he headed to, uh, using uh, Blue Origin and uh, flying up into space the next time? Or You know, I, I got to tell you, I was watching that thing this morning. I'm like, don't blow up, don't blow up. I got a ton of I know. It, it blows up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to totally knock me out, the, out of the news cycle. Um, you know, that was interesting. They said that thing cost, what, $550 million a minute to, to run right. that. Uh, you know, the only guys like you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, I would have given a big nose a couple of bucks just to climb out of the of the, the capsule, hold up uh, uh, Black Ice, my new book, the way Clancy's book was held up right, by Ray, right. on a Marine One helicopter. Right, that would have been, been great. Cool yes, yeah. it would have been. So you still didn't answer my question. Yeah, uh, you know what? I, I, it would be. I suppose it would be interesting. But when you and I last talked about this, I told my daughter that I had been talking to you, and she's like, "Oh, you were totally slamming Fast and Furious Nine, <laughs> sending the car to outer space with Jeff." I'm like, "Yes, I was. Yes, I was." <laughs> so I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm a little bit. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I'm off the space race. Uh, they they soured me. That Fast and Furious Nine, yeah. great movie, until the Pontiac Fiero went. <laughs> To outer space with these two chuckleheads in dive helmets, you know, these so you know, it was too so funny. Good. Yeah, so bad. I know. So I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the next ones. But the um, one of the things that uh, I noticed in this book, I had to wait, and I forget now as I'm talking to you the exact page when the first black ice mention happens because I sat down and I went, all right, I'm going to read till I get to black ice. Find out what the hell it is, <laughs> and it was like seventy or eighty pages in. Yeah. Really ticking me off, Brad. We got to make we got to up, up that a little bit. <laughs> okay, I got to get the the explanation of the title has to come closer to the uh, page <laughs> one. All right. Well, yes, absolutely. 
it was really funny because I, I did. I actually I sat down. All right, I'll, I'll sit down. I'm going to read till Black Ice, and that's it. It was like never ending. <laughs> so, is there something similar in your travels and studies to what Scott was trying to prevent? Yes. So there's, but I mean, he stopped it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there's a couple of pieces of technology. We have an interesting piece of tech, and I don't want to give any spoilers for anyone who hasn't read it yet. So we have a piece of technology that is like straight out of Star Trek. Like you'd see it on a Klingon vessel. I mean, it's pretty wild. Uh, it is absolutely stunning. And so, look, that's what we're where we need to be, right? I mean, even uh, yeah. at least the former administration got uh, you know space force up and running and saw at least a little bit of the future of where we needed to be. China is absolutely building their own space station now and taking trips uh, back and forth from their own space station and trying to get ahead of us. I mean, we've been hitchhiking to space for the past how many ever years. Yep. And, uh, you know, now we have, we're trying to get the space tourism business up and running a little bit. I don't know that we're actually ready for actual space travel yet. When we can, when we can get on a rocket and not have to wait for prior weather, oh, there's a cloud. We're not going to go ahead and be able to take off yet. There's a cloud going over. Uh, when we can just get on it and take off, then we're ready for space travel. But that's just me. Can uh, you imagine what that's going to be like? Some jackass oh, next to you takes his shoes off. He's got bare feet in the I capsule. Know. <laughs> you know? I know. We haven't talked about who's going to. I, I was talking about that today. As a matter of fact, a little bit earlier uh, during in this show about who's going to control that. And are they going to have to wear masks? Are they going to have to take that? Are you going to be told you can't wear that to get yeah. on this flight for 10 <laughs> minutes and 10 seconds? Are you kidding me? Well, and you know, the neat thing is, is the idea, as far as I know it, with space travel in in what they're talking about, is if you could go up and start turning a little bit and use the turn of the earth underneath you to come down in another city, like to like to launch from outside Chicago and come down in Tokyo. Okay. That idea of space travel, not necessarily further out into the solar system, but just up straight and come down and to just be there like that is kind of the space line and then come back yeah yeah yeah. so your destination would be different than your takeoff point that would be great all for that that'd be a really cool fun fast way to travel i would spend 28 million of your money to do that right (laughs) no problem i would do that (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't spend it on mine because i don't even have anything close yeah i don't need to get to tokyo that fast (laughs) no i do not that's a lot of that's a lot of cabbage i mean that's what what the old line is uh, you know everything is uh, everything's in walking distance as long as you have the time so right. yeah good, to go. good point yeah. Good so point. the latest book black ice uh really a fun ride and i really appreciate uh appreciate your time uh when do we i mean how many whiteboards do you have up for the next series are you all i mean you've got to have there's got to be uh a whiteboard for each storyline already right you know what it's funny i'm very organic jeff i'm i'm not a big outliner uh my my pal dan brown who wrote the da vinci code is a incredible outliner in fact he shared after da vinci came out my we have the same agent 
And she's like, oh, you always stress over your books and what's going to happen. She said, you should outline and maybe Dan will share uh, Da Vinci with you. And he did. And I got to see not only what was in the book, which I read and loved, but what got left out. And it's amazing how much ended up on the cutting room floor. Dan's a genius. And I tried to write a book where I had outlined the whole thing. And it just took the passion right out of me because I want to have the experience writing it that you do reading it. So when you're going, what's going to happen next? Believe me, I've already had the experience as the writer going, oh, what's going to happen next as I'm typing. Right. Um, So I collect articles. I'll have three by five cards that I'll make notes on, post-it notes. It's it's very much, I, I'd like to say it's whiteboards and it looks really nice. It's more like a beautiful mind, you know, with pieces <laughs> of yarn and, right. you know, weird things and the, the, the grassy knoll and all that kind of stuff. So. Right. And how much stuff has, over the years, how much stuff has been hit the cutting room floor and then made it to the next one or made it to two down the road? Anything or are you just, are you done with it? I'm super lean. The only reason something gets clipped and taken out is my wife is my first reader and I call her Zorro. She's got this very special <laughs> red pen in this bejeweled case that only comes out when oh, she's reading the first draft. Yeah. And she'll and cut stuff out only if I'm repeating myself. So I'm very lean. The books, as you read them, are basically right on the way I wrote them in the first draft. That's so awesome. what? What gets what gets fixed is if there's any grammatical errors, typos, or if my editor in particular comes back and says, I need a little meat, more meat on the bone with this character. So if anything, I may add a little. I don't necessarily take out. So uh, that's that's a little peek behind. So I don't have any whiteboard, but I've got like a jumble of stuff right. on the wall, like post-it notes and things like that. Uh, and what I'm in search of is that really cool – uh, as Glenn calls it, that faction idea, that, yeah. that piece of real world that I'm going to wrap with a everything else story. around it. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's plenty of that to grab onto. There'll be plenty of that, especially in the next year or so, for sure. Um, uh, I, I think so. I, yeah, I mean, there's I already so, stuff too. playing out just in the news this week. And so the, the challenge know. for me is picking out what we're all going to be talking about this time next summer. Right. What's the big thing? How do right. I how do I time it so it lands on your doorstep the day after you read my book? And you're like, oh my gosh, I just read this. It happened. Yeah. It happened. So yeah. That's my goal. Well, you've been you've been uh, superb so far. The latest is uh, Black Ice by Brad Thor, available today everywhere. Wherever, where every time you go into a store, you turn around, there it is. Brad Thor, Black Ice, and if you don't have it, get it. Brad, thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate it. It's good to see you. And if I'll, I'd be remiss. If I don't tell you hello from my wife, uh, before this interview ends, she was really bummed that she didn't get a chance to see you or talk to you. She even left a little note here that said, hi, Brad, love Amber. Oh, uh, so. give, her my, give her my best. You know, I used to bump into her on social media I know. all the time. And I've kind of taken a, a mental health break from Twitter. <laughs> uh, and it's been fantastic. Really? Uh, yeah. My entertainment attorney had a great line. I asked him why he wasn't on. And he said, because when you get into arguments with people, it triggers the fight or flight response. And the problem in particular with Twitter is the fight's never over. Right. He said, oh, so you're constantly sure. churning cortisol and all this bad stuff. And you're waking up in the middle of the night to see if some smarmy guy jumped into the thread. And, you know, are you getting dragged? You know, I know people that have woke, that have gotten up at three in the morning just to check to make sure the mob wasn't dragging them. And I'm right. like, it's just not worth it. So, right. well, you know, tomorrow it will be. Brad Thor, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. It's good to see you. Thanks for joining me on Chewing the Fat today. Don't forget, Black Ice available everywhere. Brad, thank you.
You too, my friend. Bye-bye.